It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Wednesday, May 24th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Kelly Reese returns Friday. The city of Los Angeles decided in 2023 to turn one of its methane gas plants into a hydrogen plant. It's a part of the city's ambitious goal of running on 100% renewable energy by 2035. The California report looks to explore why that decision may be more controversial than it seems. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR's Kelly Reese speaks with librarian Ian Bolt about the ways that Nevada County Reads, a program that began in 2006, entwines with our community. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom has selected someone to help him lead the fight against one of California's biggest problems. With more, here's my California Report colleague, Saul Gonzalez. Hey, Saul. Hey, Madi. Governor Newsom has tapped Hafsa Keika to be his new senior advisor on homelessness. Keika has been the director of San Diego's Homelessness Strategies and Solutions Department. During her tenure, San Diego launched more homeless outreach programs, especially for people living near freeways, and created more than 500 beds for the unhoused, including a new women's shelter in the city's old central library. Speaking last year, Keika said that her philosophy of fighting homelessness is grounded in transitioning people from temporary shelter to long-term housing as quickly as possible. That's why we always look at affordable housing as the major outcome. Obviously, accepting shelter is great, outreach is great, but housing first is the model that we are moving to lead with. As an advisor to Governor Newsom, Keika will help him enact his strategies to fight homelessness. They include delivering 1,200 so-called tiny home shelters to California cities this year. Newsom has a goal of decreasing homelessness in the state by 15 percent by the year 2025. Monty? Thanks, Saul. That was my California Report colleague, Saul Gonzalez. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Paint Care, now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. The city of Los Angeles decided this year to turn one of its methane gas plants into a hydrogen plant. It's a part of the city's ambitious goal to run on 100% renewable energy by 2035. And while it might sound great, it's actually a controversial move. KCRW's Kaylee Wells reports. The Scattergood power plant is a testament to L.A.'s adaptation. The oldest units in the middle of the plant were built in the 50s and take 12 hours to fully turn on. The units behind it were built in 2015. They're cleaner, and they turn on in 10 minutes. Decades ago, it used to run all the time. But these days, with so much energy coming from solar and wind, the plant's usually not turned on at all. Jason Rondu is the director of power system planning at LADWP. Over the course of the year, we use it about 20 or 30 percent of the time, more often than not during the summer. In the future, we estimate that we'll probably use it between 1 and 5 percent of the time, meaning it's rarely used, but when it's used, it's needed. 
Scattergood is mainly used for backup. In an emergency like a major heat wave, a wildfire, or an earthquake, we need something that can turn on with the flip of a switch. Right now, natural gas does that. But now the plant is adapting again to get the city completely off fossil fuels. Based on what we know today, the way to provide that renewable, uh, that renewable emergency backup power is with green hydrogen. The plan is pretty simple. Instead of heating up methane gas to create electricity, as it has done for the past 70 years, the plant will heat up hydrogen. Louis Ting is LEDWP's director of power system engineering. Combustion, it's just like any combustion as far as hydrogen goes. But we got to remember that hydrogen doesn't have any carbon in it. So that's the beauty of it. The other beauty of it, this is green hydrogen, meaning the hydrogen is created by clean sources like wind and solar energy. But carbon-free doesn't mean it's completely safe for people living nearby. Alex Jasset is part of a group called Physicians for Social Responsibility, which is all about protecting the public from environmental harm. What we're concerned about is the combustion of hydrogen, because that's where sort of the NOx emissions come from. It's where a lot of the explosion and risks come from. It's where the pipelines come from. Even if burning hydrogen gas doesn't warm the planet like methane does, it creates nitrogen oxides, or NOx better known as one of the notorious ingredients in smog. Rondu says LEDWP plants make up about 1% of NOx emissions here. By 2035, they estimate it'll be one-tenth of 1%. That's very different from the airport across the street where, um, you know, the, the, the jets coming in and out have uncontrolled NOx. Another big concern? Leaky pipes. Tiny molecules can fit through smaller leaks, and hydrogen explosions can make bigger booms. Ting with LEDWP agrees that it's a risk, but we've been using hydrogen for decades. We've gotten good at minimizing that risk. I don't think Toyota will be producing hydrogen vehicles if that is an issue. Those Toyotas Ting's talking about use a hydrogen fuel cell instead of combusting hydrogen. It doesn't emit smog. It only emits water. Here's Jasset again. And we asked, you know, would it be possible for some of the plants, for example, to be fuel cells rather than combustion? LADWP's counterargument to that one is pretty simple. They don't have that kind of space. And getting funding for a combustion plant is just easier right now. As long as there's the uh, opportunities, like the federal funding for hydrogen, that's where the technology is going to be. Um, and, and now it's going to be pushed forward because of this current funding. And that's why in February, the L.A. City Council unanimously approved spending $800 million to turn this hole in the ground into a hydrogen-burning unit here at Scattergood. The city's hoping to complete phase one of the project by 2029. Once the hydrogen is online, the plant will keep burning gas, but the end goal is eventually to burn hydrogen entirely and use 100% renewable energy by 2035. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Okay. Stay with me. Waffles or pancakes? Sausage or bacon? How about Denny's or IHOP? Well, in Humboldt County, there's only one option to the last question as the area's last Denny's is set to close for good. After 50 years in Eureka, this location will close at the end of the month. The current owners told the Lost Coast Outpost they planned to retire. And while they hoped someone would carry on the Denny's legacy in the county, that didn't happen. Kelly has worked at the diner for 31 years. It's sad to see it going. We have a lot of friends, we have a lot of co-workers, and we have our customers that are like family. And it's been a rough last week saying goodbye to everybody, hoping that we'll all be back together again soon. 
The new owners plan to renovate the restaurant, turning it into an IHOP and marking the end of an era for the community. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, May 24th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, the Sacramento Bee reports that Tuesday's Sacramento City Council meeting fell into disarray for nearly an hour when protesters clashed over an attendee who had made anti-Semitic remarks during public comment at the previous meeting. At that previous May 16th meeting, Ryan Masano began his two-minute public comment slot with tax concerns. About a minute and a half in, the crowd erupted when he began making comments about white supremacy and the races of council members. Mayor Daryl Steinberg, who's Jewish, interjected moments later when Masano began spouting anti-Semitic tropes. He'd said, quote, Okay, see you later, pal. We don't want to hear any more from you. Chanting grew against Masano, and Mayor Steinberg turned his chair to face the wall. Masano then stated that his First Amendment rights had been violated and asked for 30 seconds to close because of the interruption. As the crowd roared in protest, Steinberg turned around and struck his gavel three times. He turned his chair again and faced away as 30 seconds were placed back on the clock. When time expired again, he spoke up. Your time is up, he'd said. Sit down, get out, we don't want you. Yesterday's meeting was adjourned for recess twice when council leaders tried to regain control from audience members who confronted Masano. And while Masano didn't get to speak on a mic this time, during the entirety of the meeting, he continually stated that he wanted to, quote, have a conversation about World War I. He also claimed that he had read 7,000 books and repeatedly told people to read more about the war. The meeting's first interruption occurred about 90 minutes in at around 6.30 p.m. Mayor Steinberg made comments following a presentation on the city and county's agreement to address the homelessness crisis, and confrontations followed when a homeless advocate shouted at and pushed two people seated with Masano in the back row of the chambers. The meeting was adjourned a second time at 7.02 p.m. when Councilman and Vice Mayor Eric Guerra asked Sacramento police officers to clear the chamber. Then, at 7.16 p.m., Kean Bliss, the Sacramento County Police Review Commission vice chair, ushered the last protesters out as interrupters continued to stand behind a wall of police officers. The meeting resumed with all but one council member and a handful of government representatives at 7.30 p.m. Mayor Steinberg spoke about the city's homelessness crisis for about 30 minutes before the protesting began. He was interrupted four times, and after the third interruption, city clerk Mindy Cuppy spoke about the rules of conduct within the chamber. The council meeting resumed with public comment being taken via phone call. The next Sacramento City Council meeting is scheduled to take place at 5 p.m. on May 30th of 2023. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 52. Thursday, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms afternoon, sunny with a high near 74. Thursday night, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before midnight. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., partly cloudy with a low around 37. Thursday, showers and thunderstorms likely after 11 a.m., mostly sunny with a high near 64. Thursday night, a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly before 11 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low around 39. A special weather statement was also released for Truckee and Lake Tahoe. The statement reads as follows. Thunderstorms could produce cloud-to-ground lightning, gusty winds greater than 50 miles per hour, blowing dust, hail to half-inch in diameter, 
heavy rainfall, and localized flash flooding. Thunderstorms will continue as late as 10 p.m. this evening, especially across the basin and range of western Nevada. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley? Tonight, clear with a low around 53. Thursday, sunny with a high near 80. Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 54. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Nevada County Reads doesn't just encourage members of our community to come together by reading and discussing the same book. It also advocates for cultural diversity and promotes the use and enjoyment of literature. Up next, KVMR's Kelly Reese speaks with Ian Bolt, Nevada County Programming and Outreach Librarian, about the various ways that the program functions, as well as what it works to do. I read that Nevada County Reads is a program that began in 2006, where a single book is chosen and all Nevada County residents are welcome to join in reading that same book together, and that kind of the community can come together and share their different or similar perspectives on the same book. But in addition to this central focus, that Nevada County is all reading the same book in tandem, there are several other events that are part of the program as well. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an overview of Nevada County Reads and particularly an event that's right around the corner? Sure, definitely. So yeah, for an overview of Nevada County Reads, we usually do it for about three months. This year, it's run from the beginning of March and it'll culminate on May 27th. We do have a bunch of programs that support Nevada County Reads. The book for this year is Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. It's a narrative fiction novel that just kind of talks about Asian American history, personal identity, and it's written in this really unique screenplay format. So we wanted to do some programming that just kind of highlights Asian American history, especially in our own area. We just did a double documentary screening last week at the Nevada Theater where we screened Legacy by the U.S. Forest Service and Going Home by documentarian Min Zhao. And both of those were just kind of talking about Asian American history, working on the railroads around the turn of the century and how, you know, our railroad systems were mostly built by migrant workers and how important that really is to American history and how that's kind of brushed aside sometimes or forgotten. So the ability to use a book to highlight history in our own area is, I think, something very powerful that we can do as a library system. Our big event that's kind of heading everything off right now is on May 27th at the Miners Foundry, we're having the author of Interior Chinatown, Charles Yu, he's going to come to the Miners Foundry and do a free author talk. Uh, He'll talk with county librarian Nick Wilzik and Don Harris from Color Me Human. Doors open at 5.30 at the Miners Foundry. At 6 o'clock, we'll have an opening song and performance from Grass Valley Tyco. Then at the end of the event, we'll we'll have a closing song from uh, Grass Valley Tyco. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And then Charles Yu will also be sticking around a little bit after the event to sign books. It's going to be good. Like you mentioned, Charles Yu, the author of Interior Chinatown, is an award-winning author of three different books. He's the writer for Westworld and other TV shows. Help us understand what his book, Interior Chinatown, the Nevada County Reads 2023 pick, is all about. 
Sure. Well, yeah, the book is about a young man named Willis Wu. He works at a Chinese food restaurant, and he lives in low-income housing in L.A., and he also is kind of a bit actor on this like procedural cop drama called Black and White. And he feels like the best role that he can get in this show is like a very stereotypical kind of role. He calls it in the book Kung Fu Guy. And that's just as far as he kind of feels that he can get in life because of his class, because of his background and racial identity. And so the book is about his kind of personal journey dealing with his own identity and sort of learning that these rails that he feels like he's kind of set on in his own life, that he can move so much further beyond that, that he can fall in love, that he can have a family, that he can like move beyond these things. But that identity that society is kind of like put onto him, that box that's kind of been created for him, that feels all-consuming. And it's really about his struggle between like the life that he feels that he's supposed to live, the life that he feels is like put out there for him, and then the life that he could live. So I think it's a really powerful book because it's something that I think we can all see in our own lives, something that everyone can relate to because I think in our own ways, we all must imagine that there are just certain you know, rails that we have to operate on. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's social expectations, but we feel like, oh, this is the thing that I, I have to do this, but it's not necessarily what I want to do or what feels right to me. So I think it's something, it's a story that everybody can really relate to. According to a demographic profile from the Nevada County Executive Office, the county is only 2% Asian. As you said, Interior Chinatown focuses on personal identity, particularly Asian American identity, and it's been described as an indictment of Asian American stereotypes. How was this book chosen as Nevada County's 2023 choice? And I guess, how was it chosen? What was that process like? And why is it important to be the 2023 book in a county, particularly that is not very diverse at all? Well, the process of choosing the book Book selections for Nevada County Reads are in part based on the National Endowment for the Arts Big Read program, and we like to use their book selection list as a jumping-off point. A committee looks over all of the books and chooses a book that we feel is going to be a good fit for the community. One of the reasons why Interior Chinatown was chosen is while the demographic of Asian Americans in Nevada County. Like you said, it's about 2% right now. We do have a rich history of Asian Americans living in Nevada County. That kind of ties in with the documentaries that I was talking about earlier. Because of the Transcontinental Railroad, there was a Chinatown here in Nevada City. There was a Chinatown in Truckee. You know, the Chinese Exclusion Act, because of that, those places don't exist anymore. You know, we just have memories. And I think it's really important that as a community, we have an opportunity to look at our own history and we have an opportunity to learn from it and embrace that history, embrace the people who are still living here, and just make sure that these kinds of things don't happen again. So I think, I think the book has a really powerful message for our community. 
I was looking up previous Nevada County Reads choices. In years past, the community has read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, Andy Weir's The Martian. Last year, they read Circe by Madeline Miller, and I got to attend Madeline Miller's virtual Q&A at the Grass Valley Library. So it doesn't look like previous year's books have concentrated heavily, if at all, on Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. Is it coincidental that Interior Chinatown is this year's book and the author is coming to discuss it in May, which is Asian American Heritage Month? Or was this a purposeful choice by the library? It was definitely a purposeful choice. Absolutely. It's great to be able to highlight our community. It's great to be able to give that kind of mouthpiece to the author. I think everything is just lining up in a way that we couldn't be happier about. We've noticed that Nevada County's library puts real effort into representing the different people in our community, past and present. Talk a little bit more about how that happens, all the moving parts behind the scenes. Well, I think one of the biggest parts of that is Measure A. So a few years ago, Nevada County voted for Measure A, which gives Nevada County Library a very small portion of all sales tax collected in Nevada County, which allows the library to provide this kind of programming on a yearly basis. Sometimes it's planning, sometimes it kind of happens on the fly, but either way, we like to make sure that we're delivering quality programming to the community. Have you heard feedback from the community on what they think of Interior Chinatown? Yeah, absolutely. I have heard both good feedback and every once in a while, you know, I don't want to say critical, but just just feedback in general about maybe the way the book is, is written. So we've had a lot of great feedback about the content of the book, how the book can tie thematically into the history of Chinatowns in Nevada County is, I think, something that people have really appreciated. The book is written in this really unique screenplay format. And I know that some of our library patrons have found that a little bit different, but I think that it's fun to offer a book that's got a different format. And the fun thing about Nevada County Reads is, you know, every year we're going to offer a different book. So it's been really nice to just get that kind of like varied feedback from our patrons. But I do think that for the most part, people have really enjoyed the book. I haven't been able to keep it on the library shelves. So that's that's always a good sign. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining me in the studio today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, May 24th. If you'd like to hear the full version of today's interview between Kelly Reese and Ian Bolt, you can listen to the podcast on kvmr.org. You can also connect with us through social media on Instagram and Facebook. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and from Mother Truckers and Natural Selection, now serving the community with online shopping and curbside pickup in Grass Valley and on the San Juan Ridge. Online ordering at naturalselectiongrocery.com or mothertruckersgrocery.com. And Prosperity Lanes, offering 18 lanes of solar-powered air-conditioned bowling with group accommodations, blacklight bowling, special needs accessibility, and league bowling. Shirley's Grill serves salads, soups, breakfast, burgers, and beer. Open daily. Prosperitylanes.com. 
Support for KVMR's Future of Radio projects comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Gem. Have a great night.